0: consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on patreon even one dollar can go a long way in supporting this
1: content that you enjoy look for a link over at the batman universe that was such a fun age of batman comics just in now. general because
2: after now, this ball of nightwing rolled over we got into all the other stuff like contagion and then you got cataclysm and no man's land like it was it had to be exhausting for you because as a teenage guy reading comics back then i was exhausted. <laughs> well, I was like I can't keep up but it was it was it was fun it had me excited every week to, to just get into the stories because I mean it would spill into everything so I imagine you guys kind of like and I say this in a good way like you shot yourself in the foot like we made this amazing like crossover story <laughs> now we got to keep up this momentum of like amazing like connected stories. Is, had, does that ring true or was it? Oh, just- yeah.
3: Well, contagion was literally exhausting because, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. When, when we did contagion, I had three monthlies that oh, were, yeah. right. You were cool writing away. everything, <laughs> right? And those three monthlies came out, uh, one week after another. In some uh-huh. cases, uh-huh. two came out at the same time. So I literally, um, it was either Doug or Alan had to wait on me for three scripts.
2: Oh, wow. So,
3: wow. um, two months in a row, cause that, this happened twice during contagion. You know, I, I had little kids at home and there was no way I was going to be able to do this. So I literally checked into a hotel room for three days in a row and wrote a script a day, uh, for three days. And then the next <laughs> month I had to do it again. Huh. And, and it was, um, yeah, that was, that was grueling. I, the, the, the later crossovers, I, I, you know, again, I'm a logistics guy. Uh, contagion, I didn't understand why we were doing it. Because it didn't seem like a Batman story, hmm. He, hmm. you know he's not he can't fight a disease, you know. And then um, and then Cataclysm seemed like a Superman. It seemed like a Metropolis story to me rather oh, yeah. than Gotham. Sure, story. you know yeah. what's he going to yeah. do against yeah. an earthquake? And you know we all you know I I I don't know how disenchanted the other guys were with it, but you know, I I did my best on it. I mean there were a lot yeah. of cool stuff we could do I, I love that su- skyscraper lying on its side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I use that to death, you know, and, <laughs> and, you know, I just, um, they just didn't seem to pay off the way I thought they should have. And they just seemed not suited. Hmm. I actually
2: really mm. enjoy, I mean, I get what you're saying. I, as a reader, I really enjoyed cataclysm just because it was so anti Batman and the way they said, you know, set it up with like, you know, it was, own thing the government shut it down but it was cool to see right. batman in a different element so on that note it felt fun to read again it wasn't it, it was this is different like yeah. how, does, how does batman the guy i mean and it goes with this character the guy who can you know survive and be a part of you know be a part of any type of a story how does he deal with a, <laughs> a natural disaster you know like so to me
3: i thought that was fun so yeah, I, I just kept annoying everybody at the summits with logistics <laughs> questions. Well, how would this, work? how would that work? You know, you don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I
4: love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's
3: the
0: Drake?
4: Who's the Drake? The Drake
0: is good. Do
4: you like the Drake? I love the Drake.
1: Drake, I love the Drake.
2: This is Cam Bowen, voice of Tim Drake on Young Justice, and you're listening to Everyone Loves the Drake. Hi, this is James the IV, and I love the Drake.
1: This is George Perez, and everybody likes the Drake, especially the cakes.
4: Hi, this is Moth Wolfman, and everyone loves the Drake. Good for them.
0: Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. Welcome to episode 106. This show is brought to you by the batmanuniverse.net and by Batman on Films podcast network batmanpodcastnetwork.com. So through the Batman Universe and Batman on Film, you can find our show. You can get a hold of us on all the social media outlets on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also email into the show at Robin Uh
4: With me today is my good buddy Ryan, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, and I'm super happy to be back on uh, one of these shows. It's been a been a little bit. Yeah, it's been a little bit. I'm I'm glad that the uh, schedules worked out.
0: As with schedules, uh, Terrence is not here. Some things kind of came up in scheduling, but he uh, gave us the uh, high sign, as it were, to uh, continue on, and we'll catch him in a later part. Before we get into Contagion, we're on the heels of now that we're in the month of February. March will be the official. 80th anniversary of Robin so uh, I want to talk about the covers that have recently come out now that they are finally all there it felt like they covers the, covers of to what the 100 page giant Thank celebrating me. the 80th anniversary of Robin Ooh. of course
4: so there's a lot of anniversary things coming out this year from DC we got a got flash and Wonder Woman 750 right Joker Joker and a Catwoman yeah. 100 page thing right yeah yeah all of them
0: yeah I think today Jim Lee released his cover for the Joker 100-page giant if I'm if I'm saying that correctly. I I know I saw a Jim Lee sketch today of the Joker and it looked like it was was very much like his detective comics tribute, which let's just start we'll briefly go through them uh really quick. The main cover is going to be done by Lee Weeks and I'm assuming it's the red cover that we've seen. I don't think it's the placeholder cover. Like, hey, this is a temporary art where it's got the... And if you go to Everyone Loves a Drake uh, Twitter page, ELTD Podcast, or the Facebook page, I've been posting these all over the place. And they, all you have to do is just search any social media for Robin Eightieth, and everybody's been sharing these issues. But So if you check our pages, you will definitely see them. Uh, but the Lee Weeks cover is one of the ones that, again, I'm assuming this is the final cover uh, where it's got the robin in the black banner at the top and then robin leaping off and you can just see a fraction of batman's cape it's one that i'm it seems a little bit more generic than what i was expecting from lee weeks i think it it looks cool but for this to be the the main cover somebody's just like eh, i'm just gonna get just whatever cover they send to me this is one i'm not really jumping up and down about Robin is so small on the cover and there's so much red which again I think it looks cool composition wise but it's one that I'm I'm it, actually not planning on picking up
4: it kind of reminds me of uh some of the more recent Robin like Tim Drake trade paperbacks you know yeah. i think it's meant to meant to be eye catching for your general average you know comic book Store person, or even on a shelf at like a Barnes and Noble or something. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because um, those even get sold like Detective One Thousand and stuff like that is in right. You know, regular stores and everything. So I, that's probably the reason why it's the most mainstream trade paperback looking version of it, and then they can kind of get kind of wild and crazy with all the uh the decade variants. Right. Well, let's just talk about some of the decade variants. Uh, the
0: first one up is. Uh, Jim Lee's 1940 uh, variant, which is the homage to Detective Comics 38, so very cool, and it's a nice little twist. Like the camera's skewed just a little bit. I I like it. Some people don't like Robin the smiling Batman and Robin given like the rock on, like you know, devil horns or whatever. But I th- I think it kind of captures. You know something cool. I this is one I, I'm definitely
4: getting. I'm getting a few of these. Shocker, but uh, what do you think of this one? I like it. I mean, it's like an alternate angle of the classic, you know, Robin jumping out of the the hoop, you know, image, and it it does capture the era a lot. You know, in the costumes and the attitude, and I think it's I think it's cool. cool Absolutely. Cool. Uh, the
0: 1950s one is the um, Juan Tedesco variant. This is not one that I'm picking up but a very cool Batman's in the background almost looks like they're pattering this off of the cereals at least that's the way Batman
4: uh, looks in that it Excuse looks me. kind of like cereals combined with the 60s TV yeah. show yeah or at least at least Robin does yeah definitely. that's what I was what I was
0: trying to say again, another another cool cover. Uh, this won't be one just because all these are going to have like a nine ninety nine price point. There's some places like Discount Comic Book Service that is going to have them for a little bit of a price point, but you got to figure in shipping. So, but yeah, this will be uh, one not because I don't like it, just you know trying to put my my money in the best the best places. But uh, next up is the 1960s variant by Dustin Nguyen. This one's cool. I'm not picking this one up. I I really love Dustin Nguyen's Art, but uh, again, it was more of a uh, dollar and cents uh, decision. But this definitely has, you know, the Batman '60s vibe. He's Robin, looks like he's in the Batmobile, and you got the little nods to the villains with the Joker smile and the Catwoman mask and uh, the question marks of the Riddler and the Penguin and kind of like a um, '60s uh, uh, poison ivy leaves. Poison ivy, know? yeah, very cool. Andrews variant, uh, the '1970s variant. This is really cool. I like this one. It's got Batgirl on the cover with the Robin signal and Batman in the classic blue blue and gray. And Pete Vera, if you're listening, yellow oval (laughs) represent out there. So uh, what do you think of this one? He's got a Robin signal in the sky. Robin signal. That's cool. I'm not purchasing uh, either of those last two. This one is a hard pass right from the get-go. I was excited about this one, as Mm -hmm. I usually am, to see things. And then when they do come out, I'm like, "Uh, okay, pass. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The Carrie Kelly. I... This was a foregone conclusion that the '80s was probably going to be. Once I saw Frank Miller, I'm like, all right, it's definitely going to be Carrie Kelly. Part of me goes, like, well, Jason Todd was in the '80s. This would have been a good way to throw Jason Todd in there. But I, I get why Carrie Kelly was going to be on the cover. But man, this is this is rough. I, yeah. So we'll just we'll move on. This that's a definite pass. This was the one that. A lot of us Drake fans were really waiting for, like, what are they going to do for the 90s? And I was even thinking the same thing for the 2000s. Like, Tim's going to land on two covers, you know. The Jim Chung variant. Now, the first time that we saw this was in a sketch and inked cover. But then last week, we got the full-colored version of this. I love this. Some people were like, oh, Batman doesn't need to be on the cover of this one. And I think he definitely deserves to be on the cover along with Tim. Tim's right up there front and center. Classic. Robin costume, both staff in hand, the both leaping out, and just a nice little call back to Batman needs a Robin, Robin needs a Batman, and Tim Tim and Bruce oh, were yeah. so linked together for so long. You, I yeah. probably would have been a little disappointed if Batman had not been on this cover, but Tim's front and center, this this is a definite must-buy for me. I, I, I'm assuring you're probably picking this one up, too. What do you think of this one?
4: Yeah, that's the main one I'm picking up for sure. I mean, it, it looks... I mean, it is, it's, it's Tim Drake. It looks great. It all, it definitely almost has these, these Brian Bolin type vibes to it too. I mean, and that's just kind of a, and it looks cool. Like, uh, you know, and I don't know, like all this artwork we've been seeing, we've been seeing the, uh, the pencil versions and then Mm -hmm. getting it colored and it's like, man, I almost wish they would just release this as a black and white variant (laughs) and I want to get that. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. That's definitely one of the two or maybe three I'm going to pick up. Uh this next one is a must uh, for me the
0: Derek Chu I'm kind of sho- I'm kind of shocked about this that this one is what they chose
4: you, for the 2000s. Yeah,
0: I am too. I thought this would have been very easy to do a a Tim Drake in the one year later. Component.
4: No, I thought 2000s would be
0: Damien easily. See, I I wasn't wasn't entirely sure like yes he was introduced in the 2000s but I don't think he actually really became Robin until the very latter part of Getting into the '90s. Well, actually, no. You're you're absolutely right. I like yeah, think I mean, Batman Damon and really Son
4: was 2006. Yeah, that's true.
0: So. Yeah, I, now that you say that, I think I. I guess I was thinking a little bit more coming out of the '90s or mm-hmm. going into the 2000s. Yeah, because you know the New 52 hits in 2009. So like I said, Batman Son's yeah. 2006, and, so, and yeah. Grant Morrison's Batman and Robin was 2009. 2009. I, I, yeah. I, I believe, so I guess yeah. I am. Yeah, I was more of like, oh, I, they gave a nod to Stephanie Brown, and we'll get into yeah. that in the last cover. But I think it's a beautiful cover. I'm, I'm definitely gonna pick this one up too. But now that you say
4: that, yeah, I am kind of surprised that Damien's not. I mean, especially because there's not a Damien cover or a uh, or a Jason Todd cover. Right. It, that, that's what's kind of interesting is that you, you know, and then they and they pick Carrie Kelly and Stephanie Brown <laughs> <laughs> on two of the covers. I'm kind of, in, I'm kind of interested. Yeah, that they, they well, do it that way. And then the last
0: cover is the Yasmin uh, Prutri, if I'm always butchering names here, of a 2010 variant, which I think this is weird that they're going with 2010 uh, with this one. But it is all of the Robins. Yeah. and the As cover, Robin. As Robin, yeah. yeah. It wasn't like the Brave and the Bold cartoon series comic book, the Calling All Robins, where they're all Robins, but Dick Grayson, who's Nightwing. And exactly. I think this is really clever that they chose correct or a different costume for the
4: Robins to let you know who they are. Cause if they would have, I mean, isn't like, oh. it basically like the, uh, someone inspired by like the, the new 52 and rebirth. Like when, when they try to go do flashbacks and be like, well, this is what yeah, this character looked like back in the day, except for Dick Grayson. Of course, he's like the traditional looking Robin. Right. But they've done some extra stuff like, like uh, Jason Todd has a red mask, which I think is a cool addition. Yeah. And he's in his new 52 suit. Right.
0: And some people are like, he's even got a crowbar. I'm like, no, it's not a crowbar. It's a tire iron. It's a tire iron. Art. <laughs> which is like, this is what I use to take the wheel off the Batmobile, which which got me to chuckle. This is where I would have put Carrie Kelly. Well, I mean, they're both here. Like Carrie and Stephanie are both in here. The nod for the both of them. Being on this cover would have been like, oh, they're representing their cover. And it's really funny that aside from Dick, who it's technically his 80th anniversary, but of course, Robbins as a whole, Dick gets a lion's share of the covers. But Tim, Stephanie and Carrie are on, you know, two to three covers themselves, or actually two covers each being their their own solo cover, plus this one, which only leaves Jason and Damien as their only cover here. And initially, when Yasmin posted this image on Twitter, uh, they had just posted the Damien portion, I was like, oh, this is the Damien cover, only to find out it's much larger. So this is one I'm I'm definitely getting, and I think this probably could have been and maybe should have been the main 80th anniversary cover. I really like this. And if Terrence was here, he would ask me, Rob, this is a poster, right? Yes, I really want this as a pranter. This this cover just makes me smile ear to ear. It's all the Robins. It's a sea of red, green, yellow, and black. And I just, I absolutely adore this cover. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I mean, it's, it's tailor-made for, for Rob. Yeah, it's definitely. There's Rob Myers. This guy in Ohio is really going to love this cover. Yeah. This was initially sly slide- for, if I have the information here, March 18th. March 19th, I believe, is when that was initially. Let me check here real quick. Probably edit in here. I think
4: it was uh, for March 11th.
0: Yes, March 11th. Yes, and it's going to March the 18th. So we just recently pushed it back a week. And I'm fine with that. And a lot of the artists are probably still working on stuff. It's probably... The art's going to get turned in and printed probably pretty quick, I would imagine. So be on the lookout for this
4: do you see like this description is pretty interesting of the book and they give like each robin kind of their own like adjective mm-hmm. i don't know if i agree with all of them yeah but, but essentially it's like high-flying adventures of dick grayson tragedy of jason todd enthusiasm of tim drake arrogance of damian wayne persistence of stephanie brown and rebelliousness of carrie kelly most of those fit yeah except for maybe tim's i mean tim sounds a little i don't know I don't know if that, what else I would say. What what? There sure, surely is something else, like the brilliance of Tim Drake. Like, that's what I would have gone with. Yeah, something yeah. like that. All right, there was a
0: look at our thoughts on the 80th anniversary issue that's coming out next month for Robin. So this is a good segue to get to our main topic, Contagion. This is something that uh, Terrence has been kind of poking at me the last couple shows of like Rob keeps coming up with these different episodes just to avoid contagion, <laughs> avoid contagion. Which I wouldn't say that's totally a hundred percent. Some of these other things just kind of happened, but there was that spot of like how how are we going to do this? So yeah, this
4: is like training wheels for all the giant crossovers that are um, to come soon. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, I thought probably the best way to do it is kind of like we did, like, it really pained me to, like, do Nightfall in a small chunk, because we just could have had a Nightfall podcast. So, luckily, there's going to be this Asriel podcast that'll
4: come out soon, eventually. Uh, yeah, eventually. <laughs> eventually. If, if things uh, don't, if things can just die down, you know, in my personal life, just, mm-hmm. just a little bit, then <laughs> just we'll get the about. show out. I mean, my... People that are following the show on Twitter know this, but um, basically, we've me and, and Matt Whaley, my co-host, we've we've actually recorded like four episodes of the show. Yeah. So we're 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 making them; they're banked. I just need to start editing them, and I need to. We're getting them done ahead of time so we have content to to mm. just release consistently once the show launches. But um, but getting doing taking that jump from you know we're just recording and having fun to Getting it posted is, is a little bit of a jump at the moment. But uh yeah. it's still coming, so it's closer than it's ever been. So just keep I, waiting. I remember those days of like, I've got three shows in the can, and then
0: eventually something happens where you're like, I've got no shows in the can. <laughs> but that'll be cool yeah. to hear how you guys, you know, get into Nightfall and talking about because that's I mean, that's huge for Jean Paul. Not that, you know, the sword of Azrael isn't great, but getting into just the Jean Paul Valley side of what Nightfall is this is going to be really cool for you guys to hear. So I'm, I've got my ticket. I'm, I'm waiting yeah. in line. Well, yeah, hey, you and
4: many others, <laughs> which is good. I mean, it's good that people yeah. are excited enough to keep asking about the show and when it's going to start. So when it does start, hopefully we'll have kind of a nice built-in, yeah, little uh, little listenership at the at the start of it.
0: But in thinking about, it was actually Nightfall that got me thinking about this, and it's kind of odd to say that this is the first other than some of like the underworld unleashed and like wide DC events. This is the first major Batman crossover event since nightfall. If you can think back to, you know, the end of 93, if I got my timeline, right. When nightfall quasi sort of wrapped up of what the landscape looked like for DC. And here we are in 96 when this is launching, that you know there's there's more books now in the Batman universe, and more and more players, so this was kind of a ambitious and advantageous if that's the word I want to use, I guess to think about you know doing another Batman crossover, and this is the topic that they chose and If you heard the cold opening of the show, you kind of hear where one of the main scribes of the show was coming from. So, really quick before we get involved into the episode, I just kind of wanted to pick your brain a little bit um and I'll say that at the time, you know, we're talking 96, so this ran from like March through April of 1996. I was, you know, now 4 years out of high school, so I was fully into my rocker mode, playing in the bars and the clubs you know, behind the drum kit. So I wasn't buying as many comics at the time. And it's also one of those, if you would have asked me two years ago to tell you the story of Contagion, I could not do it as detailed as I could every single beat of Nightfall. So I think we kind of know where Contagion lands. But for you as just... I guess the 500-foot view before we start going through this. Mm-hmm. Did did Contagion hit you in any way, or is this kind of one of the first times you're, you're really reading it, or was it like, oh, I read Contagion, and it's
4: over and done with? Well, I mean, when it initially came out, I was only like nine years old. So right, no, right, I right. Did, definitely didn't read <laughs> it when it first came out. I only knew about Contagion in a passing, cursory way, because I did as a kid when the... Um, we've talked about this on the show before when mm-hmm. when batman legacy was first released as a trade paperback i got that f- as a gift from my mom for like like an easter present or something it was like oh here here's this cool batman yeah. graphic novel and it's like oh it looks so 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 badass and everything and and so i read that and that was one of the coolest batman stories i've ever read and um so at the beginning of that trade paperback there is like a like a primer basically of like here's all the story stuff that kind of happened beforehand and it just shows you little bitty story beats of like images from other from the earlier stories that lead up to legacy we know contagion being one of them mm-hmm. um so i just had like a very brief like oh there there was a contagion there was a virus and they've got to stop it and, and that was before and now here's this new story so that's that's all i really knew and i've had bits and pieces of the issues for a few years but I hadn't really sat down and read any of them until now cool and I really think that's where
0: I was too with a lot of contagion again that I was a little far removed and things would pull me back in and out and I had the robin issues but it was still like oh there's this disease and I really didn't think much about it so I can honestly say that this is the first straight read-through that I've done. So I'm about halfway through the story for the podcast. So what we're going to do right here, folks, we're going to take a quick little uh, commercial break. We'll probably even hear one of our own and some other promos. When we come back, Ryan and I are going to go through the first part of Contagion, finally here, on Everyone Loves a Drake. We'll be right back in a few minutes. Don't go anywhere. You like cheap comic books, right?
4: The Quarterbin Podcast is part of the Relatively
2: Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com
3: or search Relatively Geeky or Quarterbin Podcast on iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny.
1: Hey, Jared, I have a question. What's up? Well, I've
2: been a part of the Longbox Crusade for about a year and a half now.
1: Yeah? No, that's not a question, man.
2: I know. I'm getting to it. That was called Build Up. Like I was saying, I've been with the Longbox Crusade, and I have gone out and represented the show faithfully. That's still not a question. I'm still building up. I was wondering, could I be a part of the official promo? There's this great promo for the podcast that airs across podcast land, and it has Pat Sampson, the founder of the show, you, the art sell artist, and your brother, Jason, aka Weasel Skull. But it doesn't have me, Delvin Williams. The Dark Web, could you ask the guys if they would let me be a part of the promotion, since you were the one who invited me onto the show?
1: Well, not to be a Mr. Quick to correct, but that was at least two questions. Still, I guess I'll ask. Let me go talk to the guys, and you stay here. Okay,
2: great. Thanks, man.
1: Hey, guys. Hey, what's up, Jared? What's up, Jared? I have a question. Delvin's been with us for like a year and a half. That's not a question. Uh, Yeah, I know. It's called Build Up. Hey, can we finally include him on the promo? It's the least we can do. He doesn't know that we're getting paid yet. And he never will. I mean, do we need him? After all, we already have the Longbox Crusade. And I provide awesome synopsis and insight on Crusader Chronicles. And I host Saturday Matinee Theater and also provide these nuts jokes. Hey, I do that. Me too. So we're fine as it is. What does Delvin do? We should just let him go. Wait, he hosts Transformers Chronicles. You should know that, Pat. You're on that show. So what do you say? Can we keep him? Ah, Fine, let's do it. Let's do it live. We could have done this with him in the room. It would have made more sense. Why is he outside? I think we were doing a bit. Okay, let's do this. The Longbox Crusade Podcast Network is the place to be if you like deep dives in the comics of yesteryear with the Longbox Crusade. Chronological reading journals with Crusader Chronicles, indexing forgotten TV shows, films, and serials with Saturday Matinee Theater, pitting two randomly selected action films against one another, in action film face-off cataloging the Marvel run of the Transformers comic with Transformers Chronicles, and whatever else the demented minds of Pat, Jared, Jason, and Delvin can come up with. If that sounds like it might be for you, be sure to subscribe to The Longbox Crusade on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much all reputable podcast feeds. Or check us out directly at www.longboxcrusade.com, where we continue our quest to In April of
0: 1940, at DC Comics, with Bob Kane Bill Finger, and Jerry Robinson would introduce the world to the first sidekick, Dick Grayson, a.k.a. Robin, the Boy Wonder, in issue 38 of Detective Comics. With the first year of Batman's crime fighting under his utility
2: belt, the editors at DC wanted a way to bring in younger readers to their books. They wanted to give them a POV into Batman's character and a hero they could relate with and see themselves swing across Gotham City streets alongside Batman. Robin was the
4: window. Over the last eight decades, there have been many incarnations of Batman's trusted partner. From the comics, TV, silver screen, video games, animation, and toys, Robin has been at Batman's side in his or her classic look of red, green, yellow, and black. This year in 2020, we will see DC Comics celebrating the 80th anniversary
0: of Robin. And so will Terence, Ryan, and myself here on the podcast. Every other episode this year, well, <laughs> as long as Rob can keep everything
2: straight, will have us following Tim Drake in the 1990s slash 2000s DC
4: timeline. The following episode, we will be joined by a selection of special guests throughout 2020. The guests will be selecting their favorite Robin and a story that connects them to the character. It could be a comic, movie, animation. Hey, wait. So, like, uh, we, could we be reading Red Hood and the Outlaws on this show? Or Nightwing? Yeah,
0: that's the idea.
4: Whoa, 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 Wait, so you're opening the door to not just Tim Drake, but any Robin? Yeah. So does that mean Rick Grayson? Yeah, like the new 52 Helena Wayne Robin of Earth 2? Heck, even the pre-crisis Robin of Earth 2? Or, dare I even say, Damien? Batman Forever? 1950s Detective and Batman Stories? Batman 66 Episode? Batgirl Stephanie Brown? Teen Titans Robin with
2: Wolfman and Perez? Jeff Johns? And, oh no, no, Scott Lobdell?
0: No! Okay. Uh, while I give my co-hosts a minute or so to digest all of this information, you can find our show, Robin Everyone Loves the Drake Comic Podcast, through the BatmanUniverse.net podcasting network. Also available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you traditionally listen to your podcasts from. Now, if you'll excuse me, I think Terrence might
4: need a bottle of water. Or maybe a paper bag.
2: No! 52.
4: It's going to be okay, Terrence. It's going to be okay. Change of Tim Drake's origin. Don't worry, Terrence. Crazy Red Robin costume. It's going to be okay. Uh.
0: Maybe it won't happen. Alright, we're back. So... Now, what's going to happen here, like I said in the beginning of the episode, you're going to hear a couple of pre-recorded uh, synopsis for Batman, Shadow of the Bat. You're going to hear Detective Comics, and that will lead us up to our discussion. So if you're doing your homework, if you want to read along with us, that's that's great. If not, the books that we're, Ryan and I are more specifically talking about and some other bullet points from the other issues, we're basically going to do like we did with Nightfall and try and follow tim are the bigger beats but tim is really through a lot of this and really towards the tail end of the book really becomes a big narrative plot point for for bruce and the bat family so we'll we'll dance around this the best we can so robin 47 and Catwoman
4: 31 no 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 robin 27 tw- robin. 27 you said 47 and then I, I found did. robin 47 and i was like i think this is wrong Rob even typed 47 wrong in his show notes, so good Mm -hmm. catch.
0: (laughs) Ryan read a book he probably shouldn't have and curses Rob. So Robin, 27, and Catwoman, 31. So I will be reading these out of the Batman Contagion book that my wife so lovely gave me for Christmas. And uh, this is a really thick book. (laughs) So uh, uh, without further ado, let's start our coverage of Batman Contagion. Batman and the extended Bat family are confronted with something of which they have never encountered before as crime fighters. A disease. As you heard in the cold opening of the show, Chuck Dixon spoke to us on Batman on Film episode 115's 20th anniversary of Nightfall. On it, Ryan, Justin Kowalski, and myself were lucky enough to be part of it. In the clip, you heard him briefly talk about Contagion and some of the latter crossovers he worked on. Is Chuck right... Is this an appropriate story, of which he would say he was a part of and put his best foot forward? But still, can Batman and Robin punch their way out of something like this? Can they, right? Contagion is the name of the story that ran through various Batman titles and the monthly series from March 1996 through April of 1996. It concerns itself with the breakout of a lethal disease in Gotham City and Batman attempts to combat it. In the events of the story that leads Batman through legacy, contagion, and cataclysm, and finds himself into the intro of Batman No Man's Land. As much of the plot concerns around the gated community in the middle of Gotham City, whose wealthy residents believe they can protect themselves from the plague by sealing themselves inside only to discover that one of their members is the plague's first carrier. In the story parallels to Edgar Allan Poe's short story, The Masquerade of the Red Death, which one of the community's dying resident mentions. This is our coverage of Tim Drake in Contagion. All the information on these issues that you will hear today come from mikesamazingworld.com, a great resource to find out all of the information that's inside of your comics, who wrote what and who did what in the comics, mikesamazingworld.com. And now the credits for Batman Shadow of the Bat number 48. The cover date is March 1996. The on-sale date is January 16, 1996, with a cover price of $1.95. The editor is Dennis J. O'Neill. The title, The Apocalypse Plague. Writer is Alan Grant. The penciler is Vince Gironano, if I'm saying that correctly. Probably not. The inker is Ray A. McCarthy. The letter is Bill Oakley. And the colorist is Pamela Rambo. And the cover credits go to Brian Stelfreeze. The synopsis for these issues comes to us by DC Wiki, a Fandom Page, with a few little tweaks by yours truly. Contagion Part 1. Asriel sends Batman a video showing the horrible effects of a highly contagious virus developed by the Order of St. Dumas and tells Batman that the plague is headed for Gotham City. Batman decided to get some information from the United States Army and has given Robin the task of tracking down the man who is carrying the virus in his body. Batman tells the new police commissioner Andrew Howe about the virus, but Howe won't listen. Batman then forces his way into an army secret installation to learn about the virus and to see if there is a way to find a possible cure. He finds the head investigator in an isolation room. The man has acquired the virus and was dying without any chance of survival. The general tells Batman that the virus is a variant of the Ebola virus named Ebola Gulf A. The general tells Batman that the symptoms and the virus have mutated too fast to develop a cure their only hope is to find a survivor someone that has been infected but has survived with no side effects after telling all that he knew the general dies because of the virus when batman gets himself out of the secret installation robin tells him that he found a man carrying the disease the man called daniel maris he was the only man arriving to gotham from africa in the last few hours and he was staying at babylon towers maris was carrying the virus unknowingly He is an acolyte for the Order of St. Dumas and has acted as a chairman in the Babylon Towers. His mission was to enclose himself and the other residents of Babylon Towers inside so the virus could eliminate the entire city of Gotham without affecting those people inside Babylon. What he didn't know was that he was carrying the virus and by the time he exposed the plan to the Babylon residents, all the people who Maris had been in contact with were already infected by the virus. Even the servants who were later sent out into the streets of Gotham City that worked in Babylon. Maris tried to seal Babylon from the plague, but traps everyone inside of it. As Batman was trying to figure out the plan, the virus was already spreading among the Gothamites and inside Babylon as well. The cover credits for Detective Comics 695 reads as follows The on sale date is March 1996, with the January sale date of January 23rd, 1996. The cover price is $1.95. The editor is Scott Preston. The title? The Gray Area. Writer is Chuck Dixon. The penciler is Tommy Lee Edwards. The inker is Scott Hanna. The letter is John Costanza. The colorist is Gloria Vasquez. The cover credits go to Rudolph DiMaggio. And the inker is Bill Sustinkiewicz. Again, I'm probably butchering that name. Batman escapes the U.S. Army facility and heads to Babylon Towers, where he tells Robin to meet him there as well. Once they are there, they check on Daniel Maris, the one suspected of being the virus carrier. Batman and Robin confirm that Maris is infected and they hear Maris tell the other Babylon survivors of one who might be the only survivor, the one who could possibly be the cure for this disease. Batman and Robin call Oracle to help them find the survivor. The man's name is Kendall Stewart, who is living in Canada. The Babylon Tower residents decide to use all their wealth and resources to find the men carrying the means to end this disease. The Babylonians turn their efforts to the Gotham's organized crime to find that man. They ask the Penguin for the help to find the sole survivor. Meanwhile, the many people that have been exposed to the virus are already showing symptoms, and some of them are dying, including Daniel Maris. Batman gives Robin the task of finding Stuart before any of the Gotham criminals can get their hands on the man. Robin goes along with Alfred to the last known location address of Stewart in Canada. But when he arrives at the home of Stewart, he is confronted by Catwoman, who is there to take Stewart to Gotham to claim the $5 million reward. Robin 27, Part 3. The credits for Robin 27 read as follows. The cover date is late March 1996, with an on-sale date of January 23rd, 1996. The cover price is $1.95, with the editor being Dennis J. Neal, The title, Natural Born Healer. The writer is Chuck Dixon, the penciler is Mike Rowingo, the inker is Stan Woosh, the letter is Timothy Harkins, and the colorist is the lovely Adrian Roy. The cover credits go to Mike Rowingo and Terry Austin. Robin clashes with Catwoman, as both of them are looking for plague survivor Kendall Stewart. Though for very different reasons, Robin soon realizes that most efficient way of finding Stewart would be to work together with Catwoman, a measure Alfred is somewhat dubious about. Meanwhile, the clutch, the virus, continues to claim many victims, including the Palomoy family. And one of the most recent infected is Montoy's boyfriend, Johnny. Panic sets in, and the news of the plague is broadcast, and an exit and entrance to Gotham is forbidden. Robin and Catwoman track down Kendall Stewart, but so does a mercenary, Tracker, who attacks them. Intending on to taking Stewart himself, Azrael is sent by Batman, who also arrives on the scene with his flaming sword in hand. So, what did you think about uh, Robin 27 and getting to see, and actually, before we go into that, the this is one of the first major introductions other than... Briefly getting to see Azrael, but this is Azrael's first major reintroduction back to uh, the Batman family. And at first, Bruce is very is wanting to keep Azrael's interaction in with what is going on through Gotham City a secret from Tim. Do you think that is a smart move on Bruce's part at first, that he's kind of keeping Azrael
4: and Tim kind of on a on a short leash from one another? Uh, I think that sounds very much like something Batman would do, trying to control things. And we see other characters do that later on. So, yeah, it definitely seems like Batman trying to be the the smartest guy in the room, which, of course, he is (laughs) for the most part.
0: (laughs) Which is really kind of interesting hearing that clip from Chuck. I mean, Chuck is writing, you know, Detective. He's writing Robin. He's writing Catwoman. So he's got three of the main books writing through here. And I'm not sure who the main architect was, but this still really feels like a a Chuck Dixon story to some degree. I got to say in the very beginning going through the shadow of the bat book, the art was really kind of rough through those first two issues. And even uh, the art in detective, the artist is escaping me. I, I gave the credits in the, yeah, uh, I kind
4: of wondered if, if it was because the crossover where they were trying to get it out to where there's one part a week, I didn't really look at the release schedule. Yeah. I don't know if there was like some weeks there were two of these a week or something to try to get the, all the story done. Yeah. Something like that going on.
0: I think what really starts to make it feel like, all right, we're kind of going through somewhere. There's a couple little nods that they put in the uh, detective comic store. You've got Batman and Robin walking up the building and, you know, a la 1966 yeah, there detective is really where they start thrusting Tim into the, to the main part of the story and getting into uh the Robin book. I think once you get into the Robin book and Catwoman, I started going, all right, this is really starting to feel like a, a, a Batman uh crossover again. Uh the front cover to twenty seven, it's another Raringo cover which I'm really becoming a fan of Ringo now. I don't think I really was at first, but you know, now hindsight being twenty twenty, I love the energy in this cover. And it looks like this could be the toy box cover for the Catwoman action figure, like, oh, we're going to get... I a- was about to say, it's
4: very, it's it's toyetic, but in a good way. <laughs> and, like, even in the issue, we get that moment, right? And, uh, yeah, yeah it, it looks like... And this is, like, a comment on the whole story as a whole. It's It's a, a really good balance, I think, of character work and... Interactions and story and visuals. I mean, it feels like a 90s comic, of course, but it's also, I mean, it's just got a really good vibe to it overall. Yeah, and even the beginning,
0: again, we've said a lot on the show that Dixon wants to start off the story uh, with action coming from the preceding issue where he's coming into Stewart's apartment trying to track him down. And bam, they're right off to the races with Robin and Catwoman fighting, which in one of our not-too-distant episodes, this is the second meeting that Robin and Catwoman have had when we had the – I'm forgetting their names now. The Cyber Rats? The Cyber Rats. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's kind of cool seeing them here, and you kind of get that built-in little uneasiness uh, from Robin here. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you starting this thing off is (laughs) – on the wall, I noticed, uh, in addition to Chuck Dixon liking third base, Robin makes a reference to the Jerky Boys, which That's I,
4: amazing. That, how, that is like super <laughs> 90s.
1: Yeah. Yeah, how you doing? Who's in charge over there? What can I do for you, sir?
2: Well, listen, I bought 400 square feet of kitchen ceramic tile there today. Okay. All right, now, f- half of these things are busted. Okay. All right, now, I'm very angry here. What kind of tile you got, sir? Well, they were kitchen. They were like a brownish color, ceramic tile.
0: Which brownish color? you have a name on it? Yeah. That's
2: tan. It's like a tan, a uh, sandalwood, whatever the f*** you guys call it.
1: Uh, what's the name, sir?
2: Well, here's the problem, jerky. Half of them are broken. You understand? And I got a job to do. Uh,
1: sir, we, we, we could talk
3: somewhere,
2: uh, you know. Hey, uh, don't give me the somewhat shit. It's always a problem with you guys. Who am I speaking to? This is Frank. Frank Rizzo. Huh? Frank Rezo. open your f- ears, jackass! Hold
4: on. Yes, <laughs> the whole if and again, yeah, and he and he was able to get you know Dixon was able to skirt the, the third base stuff. because, you know, oh, that's just the goofy artist putting stuff in there. But he's yeah. got the straight up line in this comic book <laughs> that he wrote about the Jerky Boys. Right. So. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so as you heard leading into this, I did throw a little uh, uh, Jerky Boys in there, which I had not listened to the Jerky Boys since 1996. So the Jerky Boys was a thing. There was a movie in the movie theaters at the time that this book came out. So Chuck, if you're listening, we know you at least like the Jerky Boys. So like I said, this is the second meeting in a team up for Robin and Catwoman does Tim seem better equipped this time around dealing with Catwoman? And I just want to point out like the coloring on the roof while they're, after they've had their fight, Adrian Roy is just delivering some uh, great work in this. And I think also, Oh
4: yeah, I definitely wanted to bring that up too. It's like the classic Adrian Roy. Yeah. Yellow cast and blue dark. I mean, it, it just, it works so effectively every time. And I just love seeing it. And like I said, I'm reading this out of the trade. So, I don't have
0: the actual comic in front of me, but uh, I think her colors and the artwork just sings off the page anyway. What I also like that Dixon is doing in this is Robin is there to save the world, but Catwoman is still there looking for the reward. Like, this is a guy that, as far as they know, is the only one that's immune to the plague. So if she can, you know, get him and sell him for the highest bidder, she is she's still that borderline villain i think it's really interesting now that we're here we are in 2020 and catwoman is seen as more of a hero and more of an equal to batman but in the 90s she wasn't and i always really thought that was interesting that we're given a villain a comic book i'm like really how does catwoman sustain a comic book when is she going to fall to the side so i know they've always played that that line with her but i like that they don't totally tipped the scale like oh
4: she's a hero. There's still that little she's still an anti-hero more on the she's out for herself kind of that kind of thing. And a little in this in this version of Catwoman is a little bit less, you know, romantically inclined with Batman, especially because she was introduced during Nightfall, right? Which is kind of mm-hmm. weird to say, but she was and her some of her first interaction with Batman was not with Bruce Wayne Batman, it was with Azrael. Yeah.
0: Now this is something that my my later comic book knowledge is kind of kicking in that Montoya having a boyfriend in this I was (laughs) like I so this was a note that I made mention and maybe Ryan's following along here but uh, with Montoya being straight I don't remember that always being a thing was that something like
4: after 50- no, no, no. Uh, her, her Montoya being a le- uh, lesbian was introduced much later, right? By Greg Rucca in so th- Gotham Central, right?
0: Gotham Central, okay. Yeah, so, so just- she
4: was straight for a few years, and then they were able to, you know, um, retcon or you know, add more depth to her character, yeah. which makes these earlier comic book appearances interesting in, in, with that context to yeah. see the kind of progression of the character. Yeah, that was just, I didn't realize that that was going –
0: it's it's going back this far with her with her character. I guess I we've been living with that's how Montoya is, and I I think that's that's great. But I guess I didn't realize that that was more uh, something new. I guess I was thinking fifty two, but you're right, Gotham Central. Yeah, I'm I pretty sure is. that was a Rucka,
4: Rucka. thing.
0: Yeah, you know. um, Raringo drawing Batman and uh, Penguin. I think I don't think Raringo gets a chance to draw. Batman enough in the Robin series, again, because it's the Robin book, but getting to see him draw some classic villains, there's a very, like, superpowers again, not bad, like a a toyetic penguin here, or very classic leaning more towards, like, the 60s villain penguin. Just the couple little shots that you see him in the iceberg lounge where he's got the lighter, and again, wonderful coloring by Adrian Roy, but uh, those couple pages of... Batman trying to do one of the last things that he thinks that he can do is you know intimidate somebody and there's this disease going around so if I go into like the Penguin's got his hands in everything and I can you know rough the Penguin up and help fight this disease which hearing Chuck Dixon's comment like you can't go around punching a disease and for whatever information you think you're going to get from the Penguin he can tell you maybe where it originated from but. You still have the containment process of the disease. So what did you think about just this little uh, section with the penguin? I, I I really dug it, and it's kind of one of those moments where this is one of the last traditional Batman moments of him wanting to fight and punch something. He's going to have to attack this from a different way.
4: Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's kind of the thesis for this story is kind of coming to play in scenes like this. And it's great to see the setup uh, and of course the artwork. I mean, R- Ringo's style is almost like a Graham Nolan, but with a, with more stylization to it. I guess mm-hmm. is the, the best way I can say it. And it's really cool to see. Uh, I mean, and even and uh, you know Chuck Dixon told us this about how like how can Batman fight a disease? And then some of those lines actually show up. Like that's these are the things that Batman says. I think later on, I think mm-hmm. he talks about it to Gordon about how how can he how can he battle this? How can he do this? And he's trying to, it's Dixon kind of talking to the audience a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh,
0: definitely. It's not until Robin that we get the character mentioning. We have a level four contagion is the first time it's mentioned in context of going here. So I didn't know, I had actually forgotten that somebody spoke those words in here. Sometimes you're like, all right, we're going to mention Nightfall or say, or the story's called Nightfall. Right. No, no character's actually going to say Nightfall. So it actually, right. it actually works in here. So that was just a little thing that I noticed here. Catwoman tells Robin, if Batman knew who he was playing with, uh, he'd have kittens, which I thought was funny, which Dixon's little turn of phrase there. Is it wise to keep this from Batman? And do you think he already knows that, well, Catwoman's probably there in dealing with Robin but I also think it's funny that
4: Batman is doing the same thing and not letting yeah I think it's more that like like, both of both Robin and Batman are working with people that the other one probably would have something to say about and then it all comes to a head towards the end of the issue you know with your extra assassin mercenary guy thrown in
0: in the trade it's kind of hard to tell they have its so weird they have colored out the pages probably not the page numbers rather it's done really weird actually so you can kind of tell in some pages what the numbers are but you get the shot of alfred in front of uh, the wayne jet i thought you know uh, raringo does a a really great alfred here and just the conversation that uh, tim and alfred are having and Working with Catwoman and Alfred doesn't think it's the right thing to do, but we get the shot on the following page of Catwoman in her snowsuit, which I thought was a little like Robin's not in his like Robin snowsuit. I was, you know, this was going through the Lego video game and I the the old uh, Batman Lego game and you got like the containment suit. So you get to put the characters in different suits. And I'm like, this really feels like a toy thing to do. Like, Oh, we're going to go out to the wilderness. We're going to go out to the snow. Let me put on my onesie and in, in all white so I can blend in with the snow. And I had forgotten they had done that, but it's nice that it's not just the cover that it's done. It works practically. And she says, Thanks for waiting. I was dying to execute my uh, outfit. <laughs> she goes, Do you like oh. it? And that little <laughs> moment of like, uh. And Robin just is <laughs> like gobsmacked. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this is a beautiful shot of Batman on top of the building. Oh, I and, love this page. Oh, this it's is great. A, this is a great page of Batman with the Cape kind of uh, draped around him. He's kind of pulling it up to his chest. And you can just see around the side, uh, the right side of the panel, some of the f- flyer coming up from which we later realize is Azrael's sword. But this is where Azrael first uh, comes into the picture. And the way that uh, Adrian Roy lights up Batman's face, and you get to see the glow of the sword. I think it's so, so very cool. Um, I would be thinking, as an Azrael fan, it's like, oh... And I don't even know if... This might be Raringo's first time drawing Azrael.
4: Yeah, I'm not sure. And I'm and and I and i not sure if this is the first time that... Is this the first time that Batman has really partnered up with Azrael at all since yes. Nightfall? Yeah. Okay, yeah, because in, in the Azrael solo series i think they're almost around to issue like 15 or so Mm. so azrael's kind of been doing his own thing for a little while and now he's coming back into the picture and it's 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 cool for me as azrael fan to see this uneasy alliance start to form between them and um just batman's interaction with the character and then seeing how this dovetails back into azrael series is really just it's really fun to see
0: this moves through them going to Canada, which I thought was interesting, too, that that's where they're leaving the U.S. to go find out. And where Kendall Stewart is, he's one of the last known survivors that has not come down with this disease. So Catwoman and Robin have this kind of uneasy alliance. All right, we're going to go check it out. And Tracker, for lack of a a better name, is a mercenary who meets up with—actually kind of gets there right after Robin and Catwoman do— and is going to drag Stuart out the front door. And then we see this glorious shot at the end of the issue of Azrael standing in the front door, flaming sword, and coming in to do some damage uh, and, and hopefully save Robin and uh, Catwoman's behind and get Stuart out of there. But I thought this was a great splash page. Very little text on there. Stuart turned around, gives the huh, and uh, a very small to be continued at the end. But I thought, what a strong way to end the... The first part of this was a lot of exposition and what was going on in the Babylon apartment complex where everybody thinks that they're being safe. And so that was kind of a little chunky to kind of get through. But I thought the story really kind of picked up here in these latter two. So what do you think of the Azrael's entrance? And before we get into Catwoman?
4: Yeah, these two issues that this one and the one we're about to talk about, it it, it gets very actiony, James Bondy and zippy, you know, and it's kind of it reminds me a lot of of kind of the way that that legacy reads when we get to that a little bit later but but yeah this is where you start to get all these cool character interactions Batman Azrael Robin Catwoman and, and just seeing things play out and um I moved recently, so I, I've, I don't have the physical issues. I've been reading this on my iPad with DC mm. Universe because most of these issues are just in DC Universe. And it's great You're reading this on an iPad just because the colors are nice. They pop and, um, you know, all the nice you know, Adrian Roy coloring just kind of really just jumps off the page. It's kind of a fun way to, to, to go back through these issues. Yeah,
0: definitely. Well, let's just keep the story moving on for our last book. We're going to go right into Catwoman. 31 has a cover date of late March 1996 with an on-sale date of January 30th, 1996. The cover price is $1.95 with the editor being Dennis J. O'Neill. The title, Flesh and Fire. The writer is Chuck Dixon. and the penciler is Dick Giordano, doing pencils, over Jim Ballant's uh, layouts. The inker is Robert Allen Smith. The letter is Albert Tobias D. Gunsman. The colorist is Buzz Seltzer. And the cover artist is Jim Ballant. Asriel breaks into the cabin where Robin and Catwoman and Tracker are while struggling for the virus's only survival, Kendall Stewart. Catwoman and Tracker and Asriel start to fight each other and Robin tries to take Stewart out to a safe place. Outside the shack, Robin is attacked by some men and tells Stewart to run and to find a hiding place, knowing that Gotham's only hope was in danger. And without him there, there would be no payment. Azrael and Catwoman and Tracker join forces to protect the man. They manage to track down some of the assassins, but in the end, Stuart freaks out and is shot by one of the killers. Before he dies, Stuart tells catwoman and azrael only as robin was running up to them aftermath too late to hear stewart's final words robin takes a sample of the blood of stewart's and heads back to gotham city azrael and catwoman and tracker decide to search the other survivors separately meanwhile in gotham batman calls upon nightwing to help out as the virus has claimed a lot more victims in gotham city Robin leaves Canada and feels as if he has failed. And Azrael and Catwoman have discussed further options. And Azrael says he doesn't tell Robin for his own good. So that is the synopsis for Catwoman. And uh, I think the cover for Catwoman 31, um, I don't know, is totally as strong as uh, Ballant has done before. But uh, I think it's a, a really... Uh, Energetic cover, and it kind of makes Catwoman look like Iceman a little bit, like she's gliding, <laughs> like she's gliding, like creating the ice creating that she's riding on. Yeah,
4: yeah. But I think it's you is this not when Ballant is doing another book, and that's why for a few issues of Catwoman here he's doing basically the layouts and yeah, and like in this particular issue, Dick Giordano is doing the pencils over his his thumbnails.
0: Yeah, yep. So you can kind of see that a little bit, which. You know, I was a little disappointed at the time, but he was on a second book, and I have it in the notes somewhere. So hopefully, it'll it'll resurface. Yeah, me.
4: I don't remember which one it is, but I think he was a little overworked. But he also did not want to stop penciling Catwoman. He wanted yeah. to be the Catwoman guy as long as humanly possible. So that's why for a little stretch there, he was kind of. Uh, still having part in the issues without having being able to draw all of them completely yeah uh,
0: now what i really like is a splash page of robin catwoman and azrael um now Ballant and giordano do a, a really good job both and i think this is probably the strongest panel for where you can really see that Ballant had a lot probably a lot more done that Giordano just had to do some light works on. But still, I think Azrael looks great. And uh, a typical Jim Ballant move would be to have Catwoman's boobs or butt (laughs) right in the front. Yeah, in an impossible position that shows everything. Yeah, that's very 90s comic book, for sure. But I think this looks uh, really good. And I would like to have seen Ballant and Giordano draw more Azrael, especially the shot here. I know Raringo draws him a little bit different, but I've always liked Azrael's... Like spiky, almost kind of like Dove's cape would be, yeah, a little bit. And this is actually probably—I'll be curious when you guys start going through, getting to Azrael's costume change. But this is still my favorite look and favorite version of Azrael.
4: Yeah, me too. But uh and this, but is, when you go back to the cover, this was labeled Contagion Four, but the Azrael issue after this is also labeled Contagion Four, so yeah. it gets real confusing. And there,
0: I think in the audio sample that you'll hear me read about uh, these, uh, given the uh, show credits, is that there was a mistake in the numbering. So Azrael should have been five. So everything got numbered wrong, I think, towards the tail end. They got the numbering right. But there were two fours, two fives uh, for a while. Oh, really? So there yeah. was more than just the fours? Of yeah, <laughs> I, think they, I think they kept doubling them up until, like, the like part 6 and part 7 i think were the last two doubled numbers. Uh, this is also the first rematch and fight of Catwoman and Azrael since we last saw them in in uh, Night Quest. Uh, yeah, Night nice Quest, Quest in Catwoman 6 and Batman uh, wow. number 3 or Batman 503, excuse me. So that was right
4: after Jean-Paul had claimed the uh, mantle of Batman and had beaten Bane. Right, and there's a little bitty callback in here on page five of the issue where Azrael says, "You're the thief who calls herself Catwoman," and she says, "We've met, right?" Like, and yes, they have, but that's yeah. a different character. Yeah, I thought that was a, a nice little callback. And again,
0: it's something we've said many times on the show. I would love to see Dixon's tack board with uh, twine of like, okay, I mentioned this here, and this this goes. Oh yeah. Here. So, and these two issues. And I think it's in a, a later note, but I feel like uh, I'm just going to jump ahead to this one. It says, "For this being Catwoman's book, she plays the back seat in the,
4: most of her own issue to Robin." And this is Dixon's. yeah, I kind of forgot it was a Catwoman book there for yeah. a little bit until until the uh, like a Catwoman like uh, thought bubble would pop back up, like on page eight. I'm like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, this is Cat <laughs> this is a Catwoman's book. And I think that's what I like
0: the most about Dixon's writing. He's Not writing, oh, I've got to write this more from the Catwoman persona. He's writing it for the story's sake, and if the lead character doesn't happen to be in the book, even in Tim's book for a while, you got Batman coming in, giving some major exposition for a while, and Tim's just playing, you know, hit, punch, run for the better part of his book, and all of the main story is coming through ancillary characters. I think that's just a testament to Dixon is writing for the story and not necessarily... Writing for the character. Something else I want to ask you is this over? Is this over Robin's head? Is the is the mission by accident? Did Batman send Tim to Canada on purpose, so just so he'd be out of danger? Like there is so much of a plague and everything going on in Gotham City. I'm trying to get. Tim away far as possible from this.
4: No, I think that's ancillary. I think he really does trust Robin and really does want Robin to do some stuff. Because even later on, Azrael like, "You really trust what this kid thinks, right?" And and I think that's true. I think Batman really believes in Tim, or he wouldn't let Tim be Robin. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So now I've only read up to like the Azrael book in the next chapter. So I haven't gotten much farther. My memory is not jogging. Right. So if you know, I'm kind of curious says Batman's going out, talking to commissioner Gordon to try and bury the hatchet a little bit. Cause their footing is still a little off from everything that's happened through nightfall and up to recently. Gordon is not the pl- police commissioner at the moment. There is some knucklehead doofus <laughs> in there at the moment. Sarah Essen's not even commissioner. Is Gordon affected right here for the first time with this plague, or has he just happened to be outside
4: uh, in the cold? That's a good question, and I am not sure what the answer to that is. We will have to find out. So so
0: Stuart died by a shotgun while while Robin was trying to protect him, and Azrael and Catwoman hear Stuart's last words now Asriel is doing this because he's trying to do right, is he trying to do this right by Tim or does he have other motives from Batman? And are he and Catwoman responsible for Stuart's death because they were fighting out there? They left Robin out there fighting all of these would-be assassins and Stuart got killed in the line of it. By the time they get out there, Stuart's already dead. Do you think they're, more to blame for. Hmm. And, and le- I think
4: that's tough because things just got super crazy, super fast with like three or four different parties trying to come at this from different angles. And I'm not going to say they did the best that they could because they did. we totally like fighting amongst each other, you know, for you know Catwoman and, and the Tracker, at least for you know the 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 money, and Azrael just burning everything <laughs> in the meantime. <laughs> But uh but yeah, I mean it is unfortunate, but uh but they all I think they all share the blame pretty pretty equally. Yeah.
0: Now, this also ends on a on a very hefty cliffhanger with uh Montoya's boyfriend being explode, uh, exposed, exposed and uh presumably dead. So, we're really not sure how the disease
4: is spreading at this point. So Yeah, there was that one really kind of panel you can read into where it showed just show the boyfriend back in the in the apartment Mm -hmm. like banging his head against the glass and the glass was breaking and stuff i mean you really had to kind of pay attention to that panel to notice that's what's happening but it's like ooh, that's that's a little rough yeah especially knowing where he ends up yeah definitely so that begs the question
0: are now like is montoya affected at this point is she now going to be affecting uh harvey so I know that when Dixon was talking about, you know, he was a little underwhelmed on how, like just the idea, I mean, Dixon is still writing a very strong story. And for somebody that may not have been totally into the idea, he's still presenting a very strong story. And just getting out of this last book, I was like, I'm really kind of curious to continue on into the story and figure out, you know, is, is Gordon sick is, you know, with, montoya having you know just relations with her boyfriend is she by proxy infected and now is she passing that on to uh, bullock as well so i thought this was a solid entry to the uh, contagion story now where it goes from here will be you know left to us to uh, decide and you the uh, listeners out there but uh what are your final thoughts of the story so far for contagion and where like what are you what are you expecting is going to
4: is going to happen out of this? I mean, I kind of know what happens. But, well, yeah, but but but, but, as, but as
0: far but, as does
4: it land for you? Yes, I mean, as far as far as we've gotten so far, I mean, the story does have kind of a kind of a rocky, complex first couple issues to set everything up. But now that it's getting in, now it's getting into the the more action packed swashbuckling ish second act, and it's just fun and intriguing to finally see um, all these characters start to interact during this new status quo, and since it's part of a not big crossover, that kind of makes it feel like a more of a fun event where it does get back into the books. And you've got the the covers that have, I believe, it's like the Kelly Jones like borders mm. with all the skulls and stuff. I mean, it's just it's just a, it's just a cool crossover. The way that we see this resolve, we know it's a building block for the next couple of of big events that that come down the line. So it's definitely something that you know you can go back to and rereading the collected editions to see how how things kind of connect together so um yeah so I've been enjoying revisiting parts I mean actually reading it for the first time but revisiting the idea of it after knowing about the story for so long and
0: something that uh I've got the big huge uh Kelly Jones uh, 75th anniversary Batman book this gigantic like coffee table book that the, uh, the 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 gallery book The gallery book that's such an amazing book and his you know all of his stuff from this story is in there and it's got, you know, the transparency covers you can pull back and forth to see the layering that he did for uh for these issues. So that's really kind of cool to see these, you know, really huge and blown up. So for the next podcast that will be coming out of things work right. This is the Ryan's first time hearing this. As you heard in one of the trailers, we're having the 80th anniversary special all year long, as much as we can get uh, some of these special episodes in. So if everything works right, there will be a commentary track for Young Justice Season 3, Episode 8, with a good friend of mine from another podcast, and we're setting that up. So the next time that we're back on the mic again, we're going to advance a little bit as far as our reading homework, but you'll get more of a synopsis for the story, and we'll see where the road really kind of takes a left turn for tim and where the tables kind of get turned on the bat family that this just isn't a disease that they're fighting that now there is somebody that they they know that this is going to be literally a matter of life and death so uh any final things before we roll out of here ryan
4: i guess that's it it's just fun to be back in the saddle on the podcast and uh and it's a cool setup i think we have for these next few episodes where Mm -hmm. we get to talk about these fun bigger crossovers and then get to delve into the 80th anniversary of robin i think you it's a it's a really cool setup to to keep the party going and keep the everyone part and everyone loves the drake and not only the drake but just robin as a character i think it's great
0: yeah so this is going to be a nice uh We did like the whole, you know, 30th anniversary of Tim Drake. This is going to be a really big celebratory uh, year for uh, just Robin as a whole. And uh, like Ryan mentioned, this is going to be leading down to some very big, uh, I think the stories for the Bat family and Tim Drake just keep getting bigger and bigger. And one of the big, uh, Stories yet to come down the road is no man's land, so it's going to be a fun journey there. And I know Ryan will be uh, itching to get to uh, Legacy, and uh, I may even let him sit in the oh, driver
4: set yes. in the driver's oh. seat for some of those episodes. And I'll, I'll, I'll cause I'll, that's a, that's a story, a little uh, sneak preview, like that that trade paperback I mentioned earlier. That actually didn't collect the whole story, believe no. it or not. It was like the meat of the story, but some of the but they've recently in recent years released these like. Updated Legacy Part 1 and 2 mm-hmm. um, trade paperbacks that included all the extra material that they only gave little panels of, you know, in the original mm-hmm. release. So I'm excited to go back and read the full story. Yeah, definitely. Same here.
0: Well, that's where we're going to end this episode, folks. Thanks for tuning in and listening to the Batman But more importantly, you've been listening to myself and my host, Ryan Haas. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye. Feel that? Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the Uh, 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 BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. The show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguin's lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains, because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at Eltd Podcast. You can also email in at Robin ELTD podcast at yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the Batman So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media, also over at our host, TBU Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to thebatmanuniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care.
4: Against the machine, Jimmy Kimmel, Adam Corolla. Welcome back to the, the ladies'. Go
3: nuts for this Richard Cheese. Yeah, yeah. yeah.